Welcome to Erotic Nonsense, the podcast where two friends dive into the world of romance literature in order to find each other's and your next great lay, I mean read. (laughs) We'll explore it all, classic bodice ripping historical romance, provocative political thrillers, sexy sci-fi, and everything in between. Every week, we'll each cover one story, no spoilers, we'll share our favorite moments, which of your favorite tropes to expect, and rate its readability, how hot it is, and how romantic it is. We'll let you know if a book passes the vibe check, share any content warnings to watch out for, and most importantly, is it even good? I'm Lauren. And I'm Kendra. Now let the erotic nonsense begin. Hi, everyone. Hi. So I'm Kendra. And I'm Lauren. And welcome. Um... We are talking about romance novels. Yes, we are talking about them. We are judging them. <laughs> we are enjoying them and recommending them, or sometimes not. Sometimes not. Yeah. Um, and we are here to kind of share all that with you. So we are both super excited about romance novels and all of its beautiful subgenres. <laughs> and um, why don't you kind of start us off, Kendra, on like how we got here? Why are we here? Why are we here? Um, Well, I know I kind of recently got into romance novels. Um, I mean, I had always read them, um, but sort of not with the fervor of late. (laughs) Uh, um, Yeah, because I was looking for a way to kind of get the magic back. I was pregnant and had a daughter and... (laughs) You know, sometimes you lose a little bit of sex drive and and <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> and that's a bummer. And yes. you know, so Yeah. Yeah. I was looking for ways to kinda, you know, rekindle that fire. Um wake that part of you back up. Yeah. yeah. So you sort of sent out a little like uh request <laughs> to me and our other girlfriends of like, Hey, you read any good romance lately? Exactly. And I remember getting that and being like no, but I want to. <laughs> it was like someone had given me the like greatest homework assignment that I'd ever been given. And yeah. yes, and you attacked that assignment with uh, the most amazing ver- veracity <laughs> and sent out recommendations. And yeah, I mean, I think we realized that we love talking about them and yes. we should share that with people. How can we make this keep happening? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the idea of a podcast was born, and I mean, at this point, I'm like, any excuse to keep reading romance. It's super fun, and so I, as in college, was a liberal arts major um, with an English focus, so I can't technically say I was an English major, um, but as close as it gets, and so I did a lot of English literature, um, but, you know, also just a lot of, like, modern lit, 
And so this was kind of a fun re-entry into reading that wasn't just like recycling my same old favorites again and again. Um, and actually, like your call to action got me like back <laughs> into reading of all kinds, not just romance, which is awesome. Perfect. Um, but yeah, so certainly my job now has nothing to do with my background <laughs> in literature. So it's really fun to dive back into that. Right. Um, and yeah, what? why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are? Yeah, I, well, yeah, I have zero background <laughs> in um, <laughs> any of the language arts. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I guess I'll just say like I went to school and work as a like a scientist. I'm a geologist. Mm-hmm. So I do a lot of technical writing, do a lot of technical reading. Um, and it's great to take a break from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess like my approach to these novels maybe will like kind of compliment your approach yeah. or like you can teach me some things and I can, you know, <laughs> I can be that like person who's like, wait, what does this mean? Like, uh-huh. why, why is this? What that? do you want to know about the Canterbury <laughs> Tales, Kendra? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so anyway, so here we are and we are just going to be kind of running through a book each every week and so we'll follow the same format uh, we'll walk you through it as we go today it'll become our regular jam and this is going to be a spoiler free exactly podcast. yes you do not need to have read the book to nope. tune in um, it's more about like helping you find your next great one is yes this the right one for you Right. And um, so this is the first episode, um, but future episodes will tell you what we're going to read um, for the next one. So you can read it if you want to, but you definitely do not have to. Um, and yeah, no spoilers, uh, no major spoilers. We might Maybe a few small things. Yeah. Spoiler, but. they almost all end the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, but first we are drinking. Oh, we're drinking. We're drinking every week. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, So tonight I am picking the drink and our drinks are going to be at least lightly themed (laughs) to go with our books. Um, So let's just get into it. I tonight made a drink that I'm calling The Rock Bottom. Mm. Uh, So this week I read for our very first week Beach Read by Emily Henry. Ooh. So good. Um, but in the beginning, our heroine, January, has uh, sort of hit rock bottom in, in a major way. Um, and she arrives at her uh, destination in the beginning of the book where she's going to be staying uh, with several handles of gin in her trunk and like a bag of cut off jean shorts. And that's kind of all she's got with her, <laughs> which I love. Sounds like so, a good time. Right. Um, so in honor of that, we are drinking the rock bottom, which is a glorified gin and tonic. So we've got two ounces ounces of Empress gin, just to make it feel a little bit more fancy. <laughs> um, and then three ounces of your favorite tonic. I like fever tree. And then you got to add a half ounce of lemon or lime juice in there, whatever your preference is. We're doing lemon. Um, just to get that Empress Gin, that beautiful uh, pink color, because it, of course, changes as you adjust its pH. So that is our drink for tonight. We're keeping it simple. And it's gorgeous and delicious. Yes. All right. Um, all right. So why don't we take a quick break, and then we'll get into it. Sounds good. All right, and we're back. So um, we're going to start with reading the 
back of the book. Let's just set the scene. So Augustus Everett is an acclaimed author of literary fiction. January Andrews writes best-selling romance. When she pens a happily ever after, he kills off his entire cast. They're polar opposites. In fact, the only thing they have in common is that for the next three months, they are living in neighboring beach houses, broke and bogged down with writer's block. Then, one hazy evening, one thing leads to another, and they strike a deal designed to force them out of their creative ruts. Augustus will spend the summer writing something happy, and January will pen the next great American novel. She'll take him on field trips worthy of any rom-com montage, and he'll take her to interview surviving members of a backwoods death cult, obviously. Everyone will finish a book, and no one will fall in love. Really. (laughs) That's how it ends. Really. (laughs) Really. Really. I'm sure about this. I don't believe you. (laughs) Um, So, anyway, now we've set the scene. So, my sort of fan casting, how I was picturing these guys in my head, yes, is, uh, so the main character, Augustus, really goes by Gus. He's tall, dark, total, like, just like your most generic, like most utilized romance, male straight love interest. Tall, dark, and handsome, slightly mysterious, kind of a grump, secret cinnamon roll. So it's like... <laughs> secret cinnamon roll. <laughs> uh, it's literally like the most common kind of leading mm. man. But uh, yeah, I'm not mad about it. So I was picturing him as like a Sebastian Stan type. She oh, multiple wait. times mentions his full mouth. Who is that? So Sebastian Stan is, um, obviously I'm a huge Marvel nerd, so he plays the Winter Soldier, Bucky Barnes. Oh, yes. Okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so Gus has lots of like floppy dark hair and uh, anyway, so Sebastian Stan was him in my head and then I pictured January as Kristen Bell. Because mm. she's like super peppy, blonde, normally really has her shit together, but like in this moment does not have any shit together and also has like tons of amazing clapbacks, like really quick on the draw. Their banter is amazing. So it's like Kristen Bell. It's like it's like she was originally Veronica Mars and now she's fallen into Eleanor Shellstrop. Territory. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say Sarah Marshall, but. No. <laughs> no, not that. She's not like evil. Um, but yeah, <laughs> anyway. So that's how I pictured them in my head. Uh, the main tropes in this book, forced proximity, definitely. Obviously. Obviously, they're like accidentally next door and all their windows look into each other's, of course. That's um, poor building design. <laughs> and then enemies to lovers, because they were like mm-hmm. college rivals, or so she thought. And then also shared bet. So they Mm. like, you know, it says like in the back of book that they like strike a deal, but it's really like a bet. Like I bet you can't write a happy ending and Mm. I bet you can't write a not happy ending. Um, So those are the main tropes. Um, Forced proximity is like one of my favorites. Um, But anyway, so that's what you can expect. There really are no trigger warnings for this book. It's pretty fluffy and happy. Um, You know, there is some like, some light stuff in like their visits to like the old cult members with like child abuse and stuff. But um, it's definitely not central to the storyline. Yeah. So my overall thoughts, like what I liked and didn't like overall, I loved this book. Um, Emily Henry, the author is amazing. She's got another really great, great one that I highly recommend. Um, And she writes, really good tension the tension between the characters is just like 
it's like crystallizing in the air, mm. you know? Like, it just has this feeling of, like, they're both into each other. We can, of course, fucking tell, but neither one of them is sure. And it just is, like... So good. The tension is so high. Um, They have amazing banter. So it's just like, you know, for me, this book kind of feels like it was written for me, like as a former (laughs) English major. It's like there's a lot of literary references. They're both authors. Um, And the banter and the like clapbacks are so good. They're just like so low-key mean to each other the whole time. And I love it so much. (laughs) Um, And then... Uh, the lead character of January, her internal monologue is just, like, my favorite. It was so relatable. Like, she's just, like, totally over all of the shit. She's over her own shit. She's over <laughs> other people's shit. She's so tired of it. And she's, like, normally miss upbeat, write the happy ending, keep everything together. And watching someone like that be a total mess is so fun and relatable. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like a certified hot mess all the time, (laughs) Um, but like present a reasonably organized and like calm exterior. So like she's like making phone calls that are like so anxiety ridden and like (laughs) she's so over it and like so ready to be done, but she's being like so perfectly professional. (laughs) Anyway, I just like just pelted in my soul. Um, And then, yeah, I just loved Gus. I loved the uh, male lead. Um, Gus is like such an amazing name, first of all. So charming. Um, and then, yeah, he hits all the tall, dark, and handsome foxes. He's brooding. He's, like, definitely kind of a mess. Um, but, yeah, he just, it's like, he, and I think a lot of this is, like, down to it being a modern, like, really modern in the last couple years mm-hmm. romance. Mm-hmm. Like, he is just, like, the perfect man written by a woman, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Oh my, okay, can I side by for one second Please. on the name Gus? Yes. <laughs> okay, so Gus was like one of the nicknames that me and another friend of ours that I don't want to say names right now, but yeah. um, used <laughs> for like this crush I had in like seventh grade, maybe. And that was like all I can think about now. <laughs> it's like our code name. <laughs> oh my God. Um, because who is named actually Gus? Like, oh, literally no one. <laughs> Only some cute man written by a woman in a romance novel. Or a code name for a secret crush. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, but yeah, you know, like he's just, he totally cares for her. He's always thinking of her. Um, and it turns out, you know, he's like been into her this whole time and he never forgot about her. It's so sweet. Anyway, um, so yeah, the chemistry was great. You know, like a lot of sort of, I mean, really any romance novel, you know, some of the tension feels a little bit contrived, like some of the like misunderstandings and, you know, it's just down to like a very basic lack of communication Mm -hmm. and like problems could be solved very easily (laughs) with a brief (laughs) conversation. Um, But yeah, overall, I loved it. Loved their relationship. It felt healthy. You know, there's no toxic shit going on. So yeah, overall, very good. Definitely recommend it. Awesome. Um, So my overall ratings, uh, readability, 4.5. Like, aside from some slightly contrived miscommunication problems, like, this is a beautifully written book. Um, It took me right along for the journey. I read it in, like, a day and a half. Um, Heat level or, like, hotness, I gave it a three. It's actually, it's, like, good, and the tension is amazing, 
but it is definitely like lower on the smut scale. Um, there's not a ton of steamy scenes and that's, you know, it works cause like it's just so high tension the whole time. Um, and then for the romance, I gave it a five. I mean, their relationship is like the cutest and my favorite. <laughs> um, so overall I give it a four. It's like, it was such a solid read. I totally loved it. Love their relationship. Um, does it pass the vibe check? Yeah, Totally. Like I said, there's really no trigger warnings. There's no toxic behavior. I mean, aside from like some low key, like learned family traits, you know, it's it's really pretty wholesome. Um, it is white as shit. Like this is like the whitest book I've read all year. <laughs> it's like takes place on like a lake shore beach, you know, mm-hmm. in like I think Michigan or Minnesota. Uh, mm. sorry to the two people who live in those states and would be horrified that I might get them confused. But, um, <laughs> it, you know, there's no people of color in this book. And I mean, like romance novels tend to have a very limited cast, but anyway, overall, yes, definitely passes the vibe check. Um, yeah. And then my favorite lines. So, oh, yes. <laughs> okay. So this is my favorite steamy quote. I realized I was holding my breath, and when I forced myself to breathe, the rise and fall of my chest was ridiculous. The stuff of Regency-era erotica. How was he doing this to me? Again! After the night we'd had together, this feeling, this hunger in me shouldn't have been possible. After the year I'd had, I hadn't thought it was anymore. I lied, he whispered against my ear. I have read your books. His hands tightened on my waist, and he spun me away from the car, opened the door, and got in, leaving me gasping at the sudden cold of the parking lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so that was my favorite one. Um, So uh, every week, we're also going to do like a little deep dive. Mini deep dive. Mini deep dive. Mini dive. (laughs) Mini dive. A shallow Um, dive, if you will. Don't dive in the shallows. Don't. Um, <laughs> um, so anyway, this week, it's, it's kind of perfect that I read this book actually for our opening week because I think this is like a great opportunity to talk about the difference between quote unquote literary fiction okay. and genre fiction, which I forget that you were an English major and actually <laughs> can like do these things. Uh, don't you remember AP English? <laughs> God, um, no. Yeah. <laughs> I do um, not. <laughs> Tell so, me about it. Yeah. Do it. So for my deep dive today, I'd like to talk a little bit about romance, uh, which is considered obviously a segment of genre fiction um, as opposed to literary fiction. So Uh, This is a really, really big topic. I think we're actually going to be unpacking this for the length of the entire podcast because there is a lot here. Um, And this is just a very light overview to kind of get us started because I would love to talk more in the future about like why romance is, you know, sort of limited and shoved up to the side with genre fiction. And, uh, you know, like spoiler alert, it's because it's written by women and for women. For women. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so we'll kind of... Start this topic tonight. So, okay. um, and yeah, this book, because you've got enemies to lovers, one writes literary fiction, one writes genre. It's, like, it's a good opportunity. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so, you know, genre fiction includes romance, sci-fi, fantasy, crime, mystery, horror. I mean, like, those are kind of the big, like, big players. Uh-huh. There's others. Um, but when researching this topic, I found a lot of articles saying that genre fiction 
quote unquote, appeals to the masses. Um, and it's funny, I heard that, like read that phrase over and over again in article after article. And I was like, why is it like the mat? Who are the masses? Like everyone's <laughs> referring to them like there's some like othered, uh, like definable group that all just have like terribly low standards and like eighth grade reading comprehension. Um, and then, you know, like of course, literary fiction and the classics are reserved for like those of us who took AP Lit in high school and read the New York Times, um, like, or maybe reading this article about romance in the New York Times. And, and sort of oh this, God. like, yeah, everyone had this, like, wink, wink, like, you know, mm. we're not the masses when they were writing about it. That, like, really made me feel disgusting. Gross. But, um, yeah, actually, like, just as an aside, <laughs> even in an article I was reading that was, like, in support of bringing romance kind of, like, into... Uh-huh. Um, you know, the discourse about literary fiction and, like, bringing it into critical theory on fiction, um, even those articles were, like, still had this, like, weird, like, pick-me feeling to them. Um, There was this one quote that I actually saved because I found it really disgusting. Um, And it goes, uh, The stereotype has been overweight women eating bonbons in bed reading alone, says filmmaker Lori Kahn whose forthcoming documentary, Love Between the Covers, follows romance authors, fans, and scholars as a booming subculture of women that is either disrespected or ignored. Quote, The truth is that people from every conceivable socioeconomic background are reading this fiction. The authors are surgeons, lawyers, professors. Unquote. And I am just like, okay, yes, that's true. It's for everyone. But this, like... Does it have to be like lawyers, surgeons, and professors? <laughs> like, uh, why? It's so like exclusionary. Like, it just still has this like, even though this woman is clearly in support of bringing uh, romantic fiction like more into the general discourse about literary fiction, she is still saying that like this, you know, like a woman eating bonbons in bed reading alone is like not a great example of who reads romance and I'm like bitch I want to be that lady's friend like, <laughs> I mean fuck? like yeah, yeah. It's everyone yeah anyway there's so. nothing wrong with eating bonbons in bed if that's what you want uh, that sounds amazing <laughs> that does yeah. sound amazing yeah. um so anyway it's just this like whole pick me like I'm better than you know like it's yeah. okay when I do it thing that was didn't feel good but mm. um anyway that was a little bit of a tangent so <laughs> um Anyway, the reason why genre fiction, quote unquote, supposedly appeals to the masses is because it tends to be formulaic. Uh, It's predictable in nature, you know, so like for romance specifically, it's like the happy ending that we all expect, Mm. right? It always has a happy ending. Um, And that once you start subverting those reader expectations, that's when you get into literary fiction. Um, so, Interesting. Yeah, yeah, which makes sense. I mean, I think that's why a book like, um, you know... The Song of Achilles is considered literary fiction and not romance, even though like literally the whole book is just about the romance between the two leads. Mm. It's like, okay, well, they die at the end and it's based on based on Greek mythology. Therefore, it is literary fiction, even though it's literally just about two dudes forming a relationship and banging all over the battlefield. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's a beautiful book, but it's like, why, you know, why the big divide, right? 
Um, and so, anyway, uh, genre fiction tends to be plot-driven rather than character-driven. Um, although I, I think that argument is harder to make for romance, which is, like, all character work. And, yeah. um, you know, all that narrative tension comes through the character's inner life, right? Mm. Um, and, yeah, so the last thing that I saw a lot of articles mention is that genre fiction is generally perceived as escapism. You know, a way to get outside of your own dreary or difficult life and just live somewhere else in your head for a little mm. while. Which, definitely, that's how I use it. Um, <laughs> but whereas, like, literary fiction is about exploring the human condition, right? Reckoning with the state of the world. Um, just generally dreary as fuck. <laughs> um, and so, anyway... That's kind of just to give us a framework for what we're working with here as we dive into some of this stuff. That is what the world sees is the difference between the genre. Different, yeah. Yeah. This, that, so I'll get into my book, but now I'm like not sure where my book is like t- sort of breaks like all of those rules. Totally. So I'm like, much oh, wait. romance does. I didn't. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Um, well, real quick, just as I, mm. oh, to wrap up, I have a couple of interesting um, stats about Who is the romance reader? I love stats. Um, Oh, I love stats. Oh, (laughs) my God. So, um, and I do have a source for these, but um, yeah. So, who is the romance reader? Well, they're 82% self-identified as female, 18% self-identified as male. The average age of the romance reader is 35 to 39. Big surprise. We fall in our category. Sounds all right. (laughs) (laughs) Ethnicity. They are 73% white or Caucasian. Hmm. Big surprise there because obviously this industry is dominated by white stories. Uh, 12% black or African-American, 7% Latinx or Hispanic, and 4% Asian or Asian-American. Sexual orientation, 86% hetero or straight. 9% bisexual, pansexual, or other bi identity. Um, just the fact that this survey included more <laughs> options like, than just gay or straight right. makes me feel good. Do but. you, is that like for in the U.S.? Do you know? So this was a, um, survey done of 2000 romance readers on, I'll link the, okay. um, the study in the show notes. Um, but it's a, it's a pretty small sample size, 2000, 2000 is, okay, in America. Yeah. yeah. And, okay. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> yes. Um, and then 2% gay or lesbian. Reading habits. Most frequent readers are younger, with half of frequent and very frequent readers of romance age 34 and below. So mm. what that stat means is that, like, people who are reading this shit all the time are young. So people who read it the most frequently are under 34. Half of romance readers read romantic suspense, followed by erotic and historical as the most popular genres. Hmm. Or subgenres. Yeah. Uh, younger readers read more young adult erotic and paranormal romance and less contemporary romance than older readers, which I find a little hmm. bit surprising. Um, there is some really great queer romance written by very young authors mm. um, out there. And we'll I'm have to excited. do some of those for sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that's it for my deep dive okay. for today. So now we'll move on to you, Kendra. All right. Should we take a break? Let's take a quick break. And we're back. We're back. All right, so it's my turn. And uh, this week, I read Reckless 
by Selena Montgomery. <gasps> Selena Montgomery. I think I've heard that name before. <laughs> the best pen name ever. Also known as <gasps> Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams, a personal hero of mine. Um, okay, I'm going to read the back of the book. <clears throat> Always in control, independent, stunning, and smart. Kel Jamison has the life she's always dreamed about. A partner at a Tony Tony Atlanta law firm. I don't know what that means. <laughs> that looks like a typo. I was like, Tony a partner at a Tony Atlanta <laughs> law firm. I did, I did not notice that the first time I read this. Yeah. Okay, whatever. That represents famous, if guilty, clients. <laughs> she's far from her days as a lonely orphan in rural rural Georgia. Rural juror. But <laughs> But one frantic phone call will bring her back to the place she spent years trying to escape. The head of her childhood orphanage has been accused of murder, and Kel is her only hope for freedom. From the first moment Kel meets Sheriff Luke Calder, tempers and attraction flair, ruggedly handsome and a stickler for the law, Luke finds Kel compelling. Unfortunately, she represents his prime suspect. Ooh. Forced to work together, they dig, they dig deep into the town's scandals. But Kel has a secret. <laughs> <laughs> Kel has a secret of her own. She trusts Luke enough to fall in love, but does she trust him enough to reveal the reckless past she's worked so hard to keep hidden? Whoa. That's a really long back of the book. Um, I was like, a, I really was in it with you that whole I mean, time. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, extremely compelling. This book is great. Um, so, okay, before I get into that, all right, casting this book was a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. So, there's two main characters. So, um, the female character, Kel. Um, I cast her as uh, Carrie Washington. Mm-hmm. So, she's like, ooh, whoops. <laughs> I smashed the microphone. She is. <laughs> professional like polished um like with it like you know mm-hmm. scandal you know like oh yeah power totally. wearing um, white sweaters and <clears throat> drinking red wine exactly that kind of in control <laughs> yes the kind of in control i will never be <laughs> <laughs> oh my god totally um and so then the like the love interest sheriff luke calder um jonathan majors yes i know who jonathan majors okay is. yes yeah. um yeah uh, so he's like, I don't kind of tall, classically like kind of like a classic Southern cop. I feel like you yeah, know, a black Southern cop. Yes. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so okay, um, the okay, I had a hard time um, kind of like defining the main tropes. This is like not after you going through all that like <laughs> about the you know like what constitutes romance, yeah, you know, all totally. that. So like this yeah. kind of do, like it breaks some of the rules or whatever. Um, it's, it's like a legal thriller with like a side of romance. So I didn't like, there's a little bit of forced proximity, although it's like the forced is a little bit like, Oh no, I guess I'll have to work. You know, it's like, they like willingly forced themselves to work together. So did they like know each other as children? No. No. Mm -mm. So it's like back to her roots, but it's not, it's back to her hometown, but he is like new to the town while she's been gone. Okay. Okay. So they're not like old friends no. or anything okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so that would have that would have been an easy to yes, define yeah totally um I'm sure there is some like main trope that I'm missing but anyway uh the, the like legal thriller part I felt like kind of dominated the story actually so okay. like that's so it's just like a maybe a steamy thriller more yeah, yeah yeah so that's what I'm going, going I mean with. like looking at the cover yes there's <laughs> clearly a romance <laughs> element <laughs> well yeah it's clearly marked 
marketed as a uh-huh, romance, uh-huh. I'll say. But yeah. um, well, and we'll get into it later. But um, Stacey Abrams was in law school when she wrote this. Oh, so, God, that's so impressive. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So I yes, we're into my overall feelings now, and I really enjoyed this book. It's um, it's like it's a little bit more kind of like heavy and complex than I had like expected and there's some mm-hmm. like twists and turns and some like heavy backstory that was like yeah it was a little unexpected for a romance um but the characters are amazing they're like very well written very well developed they all have like uh understandable relatable histories and it's not like forced um and they also have like their relationships with each other um are like believable and they evolve like i i read another book recently where it was like there's characters that like just met each other and then like all of a sudden they're like acting like best friends mm-hmm. they're like like staying with and I was like no but like, people don't like you don't stay That's with someone you just works, yeah. met yeah um yeah so yeah so the the relationships evolved um beautifully um yes this is an excellent book you should read it um I will say a few things that were a little rough for me it ends on a cliffhanger Oh my god, it's a series? Yes. Yeah, so oh. <laughs> it was yeah, so it was actually a planned trilogy, but there are only two books that ever were written. So, and I don't know if the second well, she, if, could she possibly be doing it? <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I don't so this is like I'm a little hesitant to read the second one now because if it ends on a cliffhanger also, which I'm not sure. I didn't like research that. So mm-hmm. um I don't know. Um, the sex scenes were pretty good. They're a little short. Um, so like I said, it's, it, it's like a side of romance. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but they were, they were well-written. They were believable. There, there was a few kind of like funny language moments, Mm -hmm. um, which we'll get into when I read my favorite line. Um, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But like overall it was good. I like, I would recommend it for like, a vacation, you know. Some, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's like a sexy. Yeah, thriller. and it, and it's totally. like it's like a you know it's not like a quick read. It's a, it's a solid book. It's it's, yeah, it'll yeah. it'll keep you occupied occupied on a couple of flights or something. Um, so yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. My ratings: readability four, mm-hmm. um, hotness three. Um, yeah, like the the sex scenes were good, but they were short. So yeah, um, not the main attraction. Yes. I just like. To even be scoring it as like a four on readability, <laughs> and someone was like literally in graduate school while they were writing it. I mean, I just—it's amazing. She was like writing this to like blow off steam. Yeah, right. I'm <laughs> to like, take a break just, from studying. <laughs> so she's just gonna write a novel and get it published. No big deal. God. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, romance was three. Like there were some like kind of cute, sweet scenes but like the the like draw of the story and like the driver is this like um this like investigation this like crime Mm -hmm. that happened so there's like there's you know there's not like a cute first date or whatever they're like investigating a murder so it's like not real like (laughs) cutesy there isn't a lot of room for the like fluffy romance yeah Yeah. um and overall four so nice uh for the vibe check absolutely yes it's Wonderful. Um, there are, there was a few kind of like meh moments. Um, so their meet cute um, is, uh, so like Luke tries to give Kel like a ticket for parking in like a no parking area or whatever. Of course. Yeah, which is like very sweet. But like also I really struggle when there's 
like an element of where like someone is in a position of power, power or authority. Oh, yeah. So yeah. that's where I'm a little mm, like power disparities are like a yeah, so, huge turn right. off in romance. And like, yeah. And in the book, like he doesn't abuse his power. Right. Um, but it's just, it's just like a little bit of like a proceed with caution type of thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's one scene uh, where Luke tells Kel to, uh, to to get changed, like change her clothes because they're going to like go do some investigating and she oh, needs okay. like solid <laughs> shoes. But there's like a little bit of a line where he like hints that like, oh, you're dressed too sexy. It'll distract me. And I'm like, eh, nope. Oh, God. Shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like yeah, in reality, like, yeah, like she is like a fancy lawyer so like yeah she was probably wearing like heels and a pencil skirt which sure yeah so like, yeah, yeah which like, yes it's not appropriate for like traipsing through <clears throat> the woods looking for clues or whatever they're right doing, but, but like, for the but for the reason to be explained as like oh you're turning me on too much like no I'm sorry unacceptable yeah, no, deal yeah, with no. your own yes, yes yeah yeah your reaction to my attractiveness is not my problem exactly yeah all um, right yeah okay favorite line let's do it we're on page 320 for those following along at home. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Indeed, lifting his arms, he waited until she tossed the shirt onto the floor to reach for the hem of her top. Your turn. Slowly, torturously, he bent and drew the cloth upward, stopped inch by inch to sample the satin expan- expanse at her navel. Her bra fell unheeded beneath his nimble touch. And he dipped his head to draw the perfect globe into his waiting mouth. <laughs> That's what I was talking about. Like, perfect yeah. globe? Like, whose breasts are perfect okay. globes? I'm like, I feel slightly less bad about myself. You can tell that she was like 25. <laughs> ah. I mean, okay. Oh my God. Yeah, like nobody's breasts are perfect globes. Like, no, nobody, no. no. That would be alarming. That, yes, yes, that would be, yeah. Anyway, all right, so I'm going to go ahead and do my deep dive now. Let's do it. Um, And we've been over a little bit of it already. So my deep dive is Stacey Abrams. (gasps) So Stacey Abrams wrote a book. (laughs) So um, I'm just like going to go through like a little bit of background about her. Um, Like a little bit of this is kind of like dated now, but um, it was like a little bit of a nice reminder. Um, And like I knew the kind of like general things, but there are some specifics um, that um, I kind of didn't know. And so it was fun to look into a little bit deeper. Yeah. Um, so Stacey Abrams, um, she served 11 years in the Georgia House of Representatives, and she was the first black woman uh, to be a gubernatorial nominee for a major party in the U.S. Um, in the whole U.S.? The whole U.S. Wow. And she was also the first black woman and the first Georgian ever um, to deliver a response to the State of the Union. So. Damn. Um, okay, and so then uh, 2018, uh, she lost the gubernatorial race um, yeah. in Georgia to Brian Kemp. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a lot of national attention um, on this race uh, for several reasons. But the biggest reason um, was controversy over uh, voter suppression. Mm-hmm. So between 2012 and 2018, over 1.4 million voter registrations had been canceled by Georgia's Secretary of State. Guess who ran that office? Brian Kemp, who <gasps> she lost to in the governor's race. Huge surprise. Oh, wait, no. Yeah. It's not. Um, 
So Kemp also, um, he canceled their final debate um, of the race uh, because he he wanted to reschedule it so that he could attend a Trump rally. And I like I'm, I couldn't quite tell like exactly like how close to the debate that this was. But like, I think the rallies are scheduled kind of last minute. So like, well, also this was a 2018 race. So like mm-hmm. it wasn't a like this is not a presidential. Yeah, it's a midterm. Race. Yeah. Yeah. And so because it's a midterm yeah. election, like why does he what's so important about a random Trump rally for it, an existing sitting president? I mean, so the important. rally was for him. He was getting support from, you know, like, gotcha. yeah. And so, but yeah, Abrams was like, no, we're not rescheduling. This has been the plan. And so he kind of just canceled it instead of like coward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, so after the election, um, a lawsuit was filed, um, and Kemp's office was found to have vi- violated the law, um, both immediately before and after the 2018 midterms. Um, and so Abrams had ended up losing by 50,000 votes. So you know, 50,000 versus the 1.4 million. Yeah. yeah. Um, but she ended up deciding not to amount a legal challenge to the results. Um, I, there's like a little, there's some complicated stuff going on in there, but I think like the actual like challenging, like the results of an election is like extremely like there's a lot there and you know, um, those registrations were canceled. Like you can't go back and add votes, you know, you Mm -hmm. can't redo an election. So, um, instead of trying to fight the election results, um, she ended up, uh, she founded, um, an organization called fair fight action. Um, so they're a voting rights nonprofit. And as that nonprofit, they sued the secretary of state's office and the state election board, um, in federal court for voter suppression. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, as of June of 2021, the lawsuit was still ongoing. Very recently, um, so that lawsuit was like pending the results of a separate case in the Supreme Court. Okay. Um, so there was like some overlap, and then the court was like, okay, we need to do this other case first. So this was as of June of this year? <laughs> yes. So, okay. so that other case that they were waiting on. Um, was about uh, it, the state, the state of Arizona. Um, they had two election policies. Um, one was um, an out of precinct precinct policy, where if you vote out of precinct, your ballot gets thrown away. You have to vote in your precinct. Um, and then the other is that like allowing someone else to carry your ballot to it. This is for like voted like uh sorry vote by mail vote by mail right so like they can they were like collecting ballots and then delivering them to like basically a third party collecting a ballot and and delivering it to the ballot box yeah yes and so the results of that were that both of these policies are acceptable so it's like a little bit of 50 50 so upheld they're upholding the policy that you cannot vote out of your precinct okay but they're also upholding the policy that someone else can take your ballot and, and deliver it, it which is you. what people yeah. you know were doing for people who have transportation issues right. you know so and basically you know like helping people vote yeah <laughs> so it's a little bit of a 50 50 um and i tried to go back and see like how this um result would affect the fair fight action lawsuit um case but it's a little unclear so i that's still 
pending. So yeah, which those is, are very different. Like it's interesting it, that yeah. it was relying on that case because they're not really, even though it's like both could it's, be used for voter suppression. Voter they're suppression. Not the yeah. So same. I don't know like what policy they were using in Georgia that like overlaps here. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure. Um, and I am not a you know, <laughs> I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> You're not an expert. <laughs> I'm not a yeah. So um, but it, what's crazy to me is that okay. So here we are, August you know, whatever, 21. This is how many years after the 2018 election that, like, we're, like, finally, like, maybe making something right? Like, God, the legal system is slow. Yes. Um, Oh, my gosh. But uh, anyway, so that's still pending, and that's where that's at. But basically, fair fight action is, like, you know, like, Stacey Abrams' baby. Well, and it's not like they were doing nothing in between that time and now. They're not just sitting on that lawsuit. We'll get to it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So after the 2018 election, um, Abrams was heavily recruited to run for Senate um, in 2020. She declined, saying that she felt like this voter suppression thing was, like, a bigger deal. And, like, it is. Like, you can't just, you know if voter suppression is happening, like, that's what we need to fight. Like, you can't just, like, keep running, hoping that... 100% it is, but, like, how refreshing is it for a politician to be like, I'm going to not be the one, and instead Mm -hmm. do the actual important work? Yeah. Yeah. Um... So, and then there was also some, like, talk about her being the running mate for Joe Biden. Um... Obviously, she was not selected. Yeah. Um... So, but... Going back to the 2020 election, as I said, this is dated, but it's important. So um, so she was credited by both the New York Times and the Washington Post um, for possibly being the main reason for Biden's victory. Yeah. Um, so in Georgia, so between 2018 and 2020, uh, there was an estimated additional 800,000 new voter dr- registrations. So like, that, like, okay, it's still not the 1.4 million that were purged or but whatever. But it's more than half. But, I mean, yeah. it's significant. Right. Um, and Fair Fight Action also set up a program to fund and train voter protection teams in 20 other battleground states. So, like, not only Georgia, like, the other fucking battleground 20 other states. battleground. I mean, that's, like, yeah. most of the battleground states. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and so, um, after a runoff election, Democrats took control of the Senate with the election of Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff in Georgia. Um, so, I mean, I will never forget. It took so long. I know. (laughs) Um, yeah, that was an excruciating week. Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay. So then just kind of bringing this back around to, um, writing these romance novels. Um, (laughs) so her first novel, um, she wrote when she was at Yale law school, it's called rules of engagement. And it came out in 2001. Um, and supposedly she wrote this concurrently with her master's thesis. Like, at the same time. Does I not can't compute. even. It's incredible. Um, yeah, like. Some people are just like a different breed of human. And I, like the energy <laughs> that they have to like put I mean, into their lives. Yeah, like, okay, yeah, I wrote a master's thesis. It took me like two freaking years. And like, <laughs> I was not taking breaks to like to also do work. I was taking breaks to like get drunk and yep. go to Wilson's <laughs> sleep for like, like 14 hours. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. Okay. So, um, she, yeah, so she wrote, um, eight romance novels through like 2009. Um, and then she published several like nonfiction books kind of, you know, yes. more like, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, so her most recent novel actually, um, 
So it is her most recent novel is a romance novel, and it's going to be written under her real name. So like Stacey Abrams is going to be listed as the author. Um, so that's like kind of exciting. Like I don't know, you know. Uh, Do we have a release date on that? Uh, apparently May of twenty twenty one. Um, oh, that's I, the one. I remember when that came out. Yeah, that's a romance novel. So I saw that she had a new book this spring and that it was fiction. Okay, I'm going to Google it because yeah. it's called Wild Justice Sleeps. Yep. And yeah. I even can picture the cover in my head. Now I'm like bummed that I didn't read this. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, it's technically, so it's a political thriller is what there it says. So maybe it's not a romance novel. But maybe it's also a spicy thriller. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, anyway, well, and also supposedly this, that book is going, is like being optioned as like a TV series. <gasps> So that could be interesting. I mean, it's very, this is all very um, like Shonda Rhimes territory. Yeah. So like, <laughs> so good. the whole like political thriller thing is just, yeah. yeah. Um, well, and so then the other interesting thing. So she wrote her first romance novels um, with a pen name, mm-hmm. know, the um, Selena Montgomery. But apparently it was never a secret. Like she never like hid her sure. true identity. Um, and she's she was asked about that, um, and she said that like she was proud of it. So like that was why she never tried to hide it. She was just proud of it, which is that just great. warms my heart. It's yeah. like yeah, so. she couldn't be more ahead of the curve on like everything. Right. But, um, in two thousand one, uh, just like that yeah. is a very different time. Yeah. And to be like, I'm proud of writing this romance yeah. novel, which like, fuck yeah, she was right yeah. to be like while she was writing her master's thesis. But, exactly. Like, it just. Um, I mean, definitely, I was not yet an adult at that time, but I can remember it as being, like, not friendly to any kind of pursuit that was just for women. And for her to, like, take ownership of that so early is just so cool. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all I have. Um, Should we say what we're reading next week? Yes. Okay. So for week two, we are reading. What are you reading, Kendra? I am reading Dirty Billionaire by Megan March. And I am reading You Had Me at Ola by Alexis Daria. All right. See you next week. See you for week two. Bye.